When doing a project, beginning can be the hardest part. You want that first sentence to be perfect. You want that first brush stroke to be just so. You want to sound professional from the first moment they hear your voice. We the young people have experienced a lot of firsts in our lives, and we have many more to come. Episode 1. There's a first time for everything. Many high schoolers divide their lives into three sections, before, during, and after. We remember the time before high school as a time of innocence, without stress or care. Our time spent at high school is hectic, filled with decisions and too many things to be done in a day as short as 24 hours. And out of our hopeless desperation, we find ourselves imagining the stage of life to come, our adulthood, as a time when there will be no more questions, only a simple path to follow, built on the answers we will supposedly find sometime between now and then. Today, we bring you stories from all three stages, stories of babies and parenthood, stories of high school and growing up. We bring you the first of both the young people and those who were once young. My name is Allison, and today I am your host for our first episode of We the Young People by South Pods, a very big first for me and the other members of our staff. Chapter 1. Poopy Diapers. No matter who you are, you have one thing in common with everyone else in this building. You were once a baby. Many of our most exciting firsts happen during the beginning years of our lives. We say our first word, take our first step. There is a world of things to do, and we've never done any of them before. But this is not just a time full of firsts for us. Our parents' lives become full of firsts as well. We begin our story in January of this year, a week before Mr. Nations and his wife were due to have their first baby. On that Friday morning, Mr. Nations had no idea that he would become a father in less than 24 hours. It began just like any other day. About halfway through the day, she was starting to feel like perhaps something could be happening. She's getting like a little crampy or whatever. She's like, I'm, I'm thinking that it's, it's happening. I'm like, okay, it should be happening. She was feeling less and less comfortable as the day went on. By 10 o'clock that night, Mr. Nation's wife was feeling horrible. They decided to go to the hospital wondering if she was in labor, but the doctors told them that despite the pain, she was not. And so she's bummed out. She's like, I, I, you know, she doesn't say like, I disagree with you. I'm having this baby right now. But you can tell she's like, but like, no. And I think they could tell that she was a little bit disappointed, so they were like, you know what, I'll tell you what, you can go downstairs. This is like now 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 on Friday, there's nobody in the hospital. Um, and like, you can go downstairs and walk around the hospital for that kind of thing, a lot of help. Like, if it's happening, that'll help it like progress a little bit. So I'm like, okay. So we go downstairs at Mercy Hospital and we walk around the hospital for an hour. Like one lap takes like eight minutes max. We do laps and laps and laps around this hospital. Um, we go back upstairs and they check her out again and they're like, zero improvement. Nothing has happened. You are in the exact same state you were an hour ago. And so Adrian's more frustrated. Um, and I'm more frustrated at this point too because she is. So they wait another hour, and Mr. Nation's wife is only getting more and more uncomfortable. But she's still not in labor. 
They asked the doctors how they would be able to know when she was in labor. Well, it's just going to hurt more. You're going to be in more pain. That's when you're going to know. She's like, what the heck does that mean? You guys are like medical people. What does more mean? Define more. There's no definition. It's just more. So we leave. And we get home at like 1.30 in the morning. And she's in a bad way. Just try to go to sleep. Wake up. You know, and then maybe things will have progressed at that point, and then we'll go and you'll either feel better and you won't feel like you're in labor anymore, or you will be and we'll go to the hospital. So, like 1 30, we lay down, and then I wake up at 4 30. She's not in bed. Uh, I go downstairs, and <laughs> dude, oh, she is not happy. She's in pain. She's like, this is happening. We have to go back to the hospital. It's like, we were just there. We were there three hours ago said nothing is happening. They're going to turn us away again. I'm feeling horrible about it because I know we're going to drive 15 minutes to the hospital. She's going to be in pain the whole time and they're going to be like, you're still not in labor. You have to go back home. And I don't know what she's going to I know it's gonna happen. I'm terrified it's gonna happen. And I don't know what I'm gonna say when they tell me. Like, how can I be of any comfort? She's in so much pain, this is gonna be bad. But anyway, we go, we drive there, and this time, the first time we went, we both parked and walked in together. This time she's like, you gotta drop me off at the door. <laughs> I'm not walking from the parking lot. So I drop her off at the door, and I go and park the car. And then by the time I get into like the entry place of the of the hospital she's already going upstairs They're like you're having a baby like now we're going she's on her way upstairs and this was like at 5 6 in the morning when we got there eleanor was born three and a half hours later boom just happened What is one thing you wish you would have known going into the whole experience? I mean, there is a bunch of like little stuff about like feeding and um, like bottles and formula that like we did not know about. And if we had, I feel like Eleanor's first like couple months would have been way smoother if we would have just like fed her from a bottle, you know, and just right. been like, oh, she's hungry. Like she's been hungry this whole time. Um, so that would have been nice. I mean, I guess you can't be prepared for the amount of sleep you don't get, but like nobody talks to you about having a baby. Like everybody talks to you about being pregnant. Everybody talks to you about delivery. And then like, that's it. And then they stop talking. <laughs> then you're on your own. And then you're on your own. <laughs> you bring this thing home and you have no idea what to do with it. And, uh, that would have been nice. I mean, I guess people did try to say, like, dude, you're not going to sleep at all. And maybe I just wasn't listening. But <laughs> I was not prepared for how tired I was going to be at yeah. all in any way. I don't think you really ever will be. I mean, uh, yeah. no matter how many people tell you that you're going to lose sleep, you're not going to be ready. <laughs> right. Until you're, like, in it and you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is what tired feels like. Holy smokes. Right. So she's how old now? She's eight months old, eight in like a week. So people always say like their kid is like a certain number of weeks old. Right. 
which I find pretentious. <laughs> Plus, I don't know how many weeks there are, so I just say eight months. She's eight months and like a week or so. <laughs> okay. So have you had any memorable firsts with her so far? Well, she um, she sat up and stood without anybody in the room, both of those things. We left the room for like literally 20 seconds and came back. So she's just like sitting up, smiling, looking at you. Or just came back and she was propped up on this little piano thing, just smiling, happy as can be, so proud of herself. So we missed both of those. Um, we were both there the first time she crawled. She did that upstairs in her room, and that was pretty cool. She was doing sort of like this army crawl thing where she'd like couldn't really use her arms, and she'd just like bring her knees up to her chest and then just sort of like drag her face and her body <laughs> along the ground. She like wiggles now, and she's like impossible to keep still. And so like when she's pooped and you're trying to change <laughs> her diaper like she'll put her heels in it and like you know like <laughs> rub them on the so stuff that, yeah it's gross <laughs> and she likes to do it now apparently like right when I'm getting ready to leave for work of course and I'll be like picking her up to put her like to carry her outside I'm like wait a second no <laughs> and there's a big giant <laughs> poopy diaper um I'm not good at changing diapers um, I definitely gagged a lot like the first couple of times, like when babies are breastfed, their poop doesn't smell at all, which was news to me. So like <laughs> the first, you know, while she was exclusively breastfed, which was like, you know, the first four months of her life, like it was like, oh, you know, dirty diapers are fine. But then when she gets on formula, it's a totally different story. It's gross. It's really gross. Um, and the first time that happened was, I mean, I definitely gagged changing the diaper. So those are always really fun. So do you have any advice for future fathers? Well, advice number one um, is read to them. And I will explain that to whoever asks 20 million words. But read, 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 like language development. So I would say read a lot and don't walk out of the room. I missed her sit up for the first time. I missed her stand up for the first time like it's hard because you have a job and you like have to right. like brush your teeth and stuff <laughs> so you like have to leave sometimes but do your best to be present all the time because they are like super awesome to just watch um and be aware that formula fed baby's poop smells really bad <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> be prepared for it because it's gross <laughs> and um what else Purple poop is okay. <laughs> and, um, I guess only if they've had bananas in the day prior. <laughs> bananas turn your pur poop purple. I did not know that. <laughs> that freaked me out the first time I saw it. But it's normal. So, purple poop. Yeah. So, um, you've already had so a few firsts with her. Um, what are you looking forward to, like, in the future for Eleanor? I mean, I can't. So... Some of the things that I most look forward to, I was really excited when she could hold her own head up. That was a cool day. I was really excited when she could hold her own bottle. That was awesome. Um, now I'm, I mean, I just cannot, I cannot wait to just like find out what she thinks about stuff. You know, right now you just like look at her and she looks at things and makes noises and bangs on stuff and knocks on things. And you're just like, what's going on in your brain? Like, what are you thinking about as you're doing it? So like when she's able and not just like, and I, it'll be cool when she can talk when she has the ability, but more so so that I can like, this is what you're thinking about this thing. I'm really excited about that to like hear what her opinions about everything are. Um, 
and really just to see what she's into, you know? I mean, my wife and I are so different in so many ways that it'll just be like, which part of us will she maybe gravitate towards? Will she be nothing like either one of us, you know? Will she be athletic? Will she care about sports? Will she be artistic? Will she care about art? Like, what's she gonna be into? I'm just so excited to find out. Chapter 2. First Kisses. Whether remembering it or anticipating it, every teenager has spent time thinking about their first kiss. And for those who have already had their first kiss, their experiences range from awkward to romantic, dull to exciting. But whether your first kiss is a memory you'd rather repress, or one you'll cherish forever, it is definitely something you'll never forget. For our second chapter, Lucas and Emily bring us stories of first kisses from our Lutheran South community. Can you hear me? Okay. How was your first kiss? It was really awkward. Yeah, it was really weird. My first kiss was really romantic. How was your guys' first kiss? It's fine. Nothing special. Uh, it was um, wet and sloppy. I was nervous. It was really awkward. Uh, scary. It wasn't all that good. <laughs> Carter, how was your first kiss? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you want to know? Like, <laughs> when, when <laughs> her dad it? showed up and shined the head or flashlights on us. So, how was your first kiss? Oh God, it was awkward and underwater. Who has their first kiss underwater? I guess Michi does. Um, I mean, I remember my first kiss, and it was it was pretty basic, you know, at an alternative little dance, and mm -hmm. you know, it just A happened. Pool party. Yeah. How about you? My first kiss was in third grade. But my first I, real kiss mm, was my uh, freshman year. I don't like to talk about it, though. Third grade does not count as a first kiss at all. Whatever. Well, so, guys, what we've been doing with our story is we've been discussing and looking for uh, the perfect story by interviewing kids throughout the school. And we happened to find our perfect story um, with Peyton Vanest and Nick Wagner. So I'm here with uh, Peyton Vanest, and she's going to take us through um, the story of her first kiss. So freshman year, I was going to go over to my friend's house with a group of my friends, and on the way there, I was in the car, and I was kind of nervous because I was going to hang out with Nick, who at the time I was talking to, and little freshman me was always like nervous around boys and stuff so I was nervous to hang out with him and so when we were all sitting in the hot tub I made sure I was sitting next to him and we were all just kind of talking and everything and all of our friends were kind of like looking at us and <laughs> and looking at us and like trying to get us to kiss I guess
after a while of everyone just making us feel awkward, someone just was like, why don't you guys just kiss already? And I was, like, kind of nervous when they said that and, like, embarrassed. And I didn't know what to do. And, like, I didn't want to, like, look at Nick because I didn't know how he felt about that. And so we both kind of just, like, made eye contact really fast and, like, turned and just, like, peck kissed really fast. And everyone kind of made a big deal about it since it was just, like, our first kiss. And I was really embarrassed. I remember, like, sitting there and, like, not knowing, like, what to say or, like, what to do afterwards while everyone was all, like, yelling and stuff. Afterwards, I was excited that I had finally had my first kiss. And um, it was a good first kiss. Alright, so I'm here now with Nick Wagner, um, the second party to our story. And he's going to take us back and, well, just tell his side. All right, so this is first semester of my freshman year. It was about a month before homecoming. If I hadn't asked you already, I was probably thinking about it. And so I remember, I think it was Saturday night, and uh, Joe Moore texted our uh, group chat of friends, and it was like, everyone can hang out and stuff. And I remember just staring at my phone, waiting for Peyton to respond, like, yeah, I can go. So when I saw she said that she could go, I was like, Mom, can I go to Joe's? And I'm pretty sure she was like, no, but I'm pretty sure I, I, I begged her to let me go. And so I ended up going. My mom had to drive me there as freshman year. When we first got there, um, we were just kind of like hanging out in his basement and just chilling, talking. And then I was just, I was like waiting for someone to say, let's go in the hot tub, because hot tub's fun. And so I'm pretty sure, I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, hey, let's get in the hot tub now. And everyone was like, yeah, let's go do that. Like everyone was behind it. Everyone was piggybacking on it. I was kind of like waiting to go out there, because I didn't want to sit by Peyton first, because I was kind of nervous. I wanted to see if she was going to sit by me. So I'm pretty sure I got out there first, and then I saw her come out. And I'm pretty sure she tried to sit next to me. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she was she was seeking that spot. So about like a half hour went by. We're still just like talking and stuff, laughing. And I'm pretty sure Jacob like turned to us and was like, have you guys kissed yet? And I looked at her and I was like, no. <laughs> but I was like, I mean, we can if you want. I was thinking that. And then she kind of like smiled and like started laughing and stuff, like a little nervous laugh. And then Jacob again later was like, so you guys going to do it? And I looked at her again, and I was like, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> and then we uh, kiss. And then later, Jacob was like, oh, yeah, I didn't see the first one. So, yeah, it kind of hooked me up there. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> and then we kissed a second time. And then after that, it was uh, a little awkward, a little, little nervous after that. But I think it went all right. <laughs> That was a really cool story about Peyton and Nick's first kiss. It was nice to see both perspectives of it, too. Yeah, I definitely had a fun time uh, recording that with them. I also, I kind of found it interesting, um, just the fact that their story is definitely, I think, similar to a lot of people's in the mm -hmm. fact they're usually with their friends when it happens. You know, a friend might say, hey, and try to 
they give him that extra push to usually happen. I, I know that's how my first kiss happened. Yeah, so was mine. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of times I saw this throughout, even when I talked to people that we that didn't quite make the podcast, but I talked to a lot of people that, and that's uh, that's how it happened. Yeah, a couple of our stories were even at Rollercade in front of everyone there. That would have been super yeah, embarrassing. That was a pretty funny one we definitely got to talk about. There was another one at a football game, I think. Yeah, football games. We can't name names because yeah, uh, that's they why, didn't uh, want us on there. That's why they're not on our podcast. But yeah, it's just like it's just kind of cool to see all these stories and how friends play a role in it as much as the person you end up uh, kissing, which is uh, pretty cool, I thought. And uh, I don't know. I mean, first kisses are obviously a significant thing in people's lives. Usually, something people will remember for a yeah, long time. Yeah, usually you remember it. My grandma still tells me about her first kiss. Exactly. We talk to teachers about them. They still remember yeah. them. And it's just kind of cool to see that in 30 years from now, I, I know I'll remember the person I had my first kiss with. And that's just kind of cool. Well, Lucas, I hope your second kiss will be better than your first. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> hope that, too. <laughs> Chapter 3, Just Swerve, Bro. Another important first for high school students is their first time behind the wheel of a car. For the majority, freshman year brings a permit, sophomore year brings a license, and by junior and senior years they're driving like pros. Or at least that's what they think. Yet some quickly find that first tickets and first accidents can come rather quickly after the first time on the road. Chapter 3, Part 1 brings us the story of a night with three too many conversations with a cop, as told by a staff member, Haley. We've all been pulled over at some point. Maybe we've been pulled over once or twice, but not like Tarion, who has been pulled over three times in one night. Tarion was driving home from his friend's house. He rolled a stop sign, not thinking much of it, then he heard the sirens. He pulled over to the side of the road, frustrated because all he wanted to do was get home. When he rolled down the window, the policeman explained that he had rolled a stop sign and that he would have to give Tarion a $75 ticket. Once Tarion received his ticket, he continued his drive home when he heard the sirens again. He was even more frustrated this time because he didn't understand what he had done. He again rolled down the window and the police officer explained that he had been going 8 miles per hour over the speed limit. Luckily, the police officer just gave Terry on a warning and he didn't get a ticket. As he again continued to drive home, he ran a red light and got pulled over a third time. This time, Terry was worried because he thought he would get another ticket. He rolled down his window for a cop a third time that night. Terry was relieved when he found out that he was again going to be let off with a warning. By the end of the night, Tarion managed to get pulled over three times, but only get one ticket out of the three that he could have received. Tarion didn't tell his parents about the ticket until three months after it happened. They thought for a long time considering a punishment for him. As his punishment, his parents decided to make him do yard work. So the next time you get pulled over and you think you have it bad, just remember that Tarion had to go th through this three times in one night. For Chapter 3, Part 2, Abigail brings us the story of a first car crash and the life lesson one can learn from such a stressful encounter. She wasn't in a hurry, but it was almost rush hour.
Emma George only had her license for about two months when she got into her first car accident. After turning out of Gravois Bluffs, she headed towards Highway 55 and found herself behind a silver Hyundai. There weren't many cars around, but there was a lady in front of her who kept braking suddenly, in the middle of the highway, for no reason. Both of their cars were at the stoplight before entering Arnold, close to where it all went down. The light turned green, and the lady in front of her surprisingly accelerated at a normal speed. But, about two minutes later, going 50 miles an hour, this lady in front of her slammed on her brakes in the middle of the highway with no one in front of her. So, Emma rear-ended her. Immediately after the crash, Emma could see the lady screaming some colorful language in her car. They both pulled over, but the cursing lady got out of her car first. Suddenly calm and collected, the lady came up to her driver's seat window and asked Emma if she and her car were okay. She said she was fine and that she wasn't hurt, but her car was a little damaged. Emma got out of the car to check it out. There was just a bit of paint scraped off, no big dents or anything. The lady asked Emma for her insurance info, and she gave it to her. Emma then asked the lady for hers, but she said she wouldn't give it to her since she thought the accident wasn't her fault. It clearly was. Emma asked if she should call the police, but the lady said that she didn't have to. The lady gave Emma her number. Emma let her know she wanted to call her mom since she wasn't quite sure what to do next. Before Emma could even press the call button on her phone, the lady ran to her car, got in, and straight up sped off without another word. Emma thought that was the last she'd hear of that lady and her silver Hyundai. But later that night, the insurance company called. They said that the lady went to the hospital complaining of a broken back and whiplash, but her records there and current physical conditions showed that she was obviously lying. Emma's mom called the lady and asked her why she didn't call the cops or give her insurance info to Emma. The lady said it wasn't important, but Emma knew it was definitely important. Moral of the story, just swerve, bro. Chapter 4. Stay out of harm's way. We the young people often forget that our elders and mentors were once in the same place we are. It can be hard to picture them as being our age, to picture the world they lived in. But when we manage to do so, we see that many similarities remain, despite the differences in time, character, and place. For our fourth chapter, Megan sat down with Lutheran South Dean of Students, Mr. Harms, in order to get a glimpse of what being a high school freshman in the 1960s was like, and what his first days of high school entailed. Mr. Harms, what year did you start high school? Uh, fall of 1964. The Beatles had uh, just uh, come in that winter uh, on a show called The Ed Sullivan Show, and everybody was listening to them. The civil rights movement under uh, Dr. King was uh, starting to really ramp up, and that was a big uh, uh, point of discussion in schools and everywhere. The Vietnam War was increasing in size. Um, more Americans were getting killed over there. Um, 
I lost four friends in the Vietnam War that I went to school with. Wow. Um, fashions, cars were big and got about 10 miles to the gallon. Uh, no one worried about pollution. Uh, the big enemy was the Soviet Union, what's now called Russia. Um, and uh, the hippie movement and uh, that kind of music was just starting to come into style and it upset all the old people. So keeping those big differences in mind, could you describe yourself as a freshman? Uh, a total uh, nerd. <laughs> uh, I came from a very small Lutheran grade school called St. Jacoby Lutheran in Jennings, Missouri. There were 18 uh, eighth graders. Twelve of us went to the old Lutheran Central, which was downtown by Forest Park. Uh, our freshman year, Lutheran Central closed, and we moved to the Lutheran North. So we were the first freshman class at Lutheran North, and the first class to go all the way through it. I had no preparation. We didn't have open houses or all the things we do today to help kids get used to high school you just registered it was either that or my local public school and I told my mom I wanted to go with my friends so uh, I just walked into this big building with over 600 students uh, there were seniors that were 17 18 19 years old I'm 14 and I was just totally overwhelmed by the size of it the age of my classmates the noise everything it was it was quite the culture shock I was afraid of everything my freshman year um, uh, my uh, very first class in in uh, high school uh, was taught by the assistant principal this mean guy named mr. Wallace and I was absolutely terrified of him uh, all the students nobody messed with him he was a great teacher um, he really helped me, but it took me a while to learn that. I was just basically in stark fear of him and everything in high school for a month or two. Uh, just that I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was I kind of like uh, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. I knew I wasn't in Kansas anymore. Uh, I, I do remember how old the seniors looked to me. I, I'll never forget that experience. My first two uh, months were really rough. Uh, I, in fact, I didn't know if I wanted to keep going there. Uh, a couple things happened. I was able to face my fears. There was one guy that I felt was bullying me. Uh, he was a big football player, and I finally uh, talked to him and said, look, you know, we can't keep doing this. Um, you know, if we're going to fight, let's fight. He'd have killed me, but uh, we became friends, and I was able to get in something. For me, it was basketball, and I had some success there. So I felt I belonged. Then all of a sudden, uh, it seemed like things got easier. Uh, that's why I really try real hard, and I try to encourage uh, students who get involved in something. It can be sports or music or clubs. Uh, 
just something so that uh, they feel like they belong. first time can cause a range of emotions. First steps are determined and exciting. First days of high school can be uncertain and anxious. First moments behind the wheel so freeing, while first tickets and first crashes so nerve-wracking. First kisses and first babies, combinations of all those things and more. No matter the type of first or the stage of life one experiences it in, first have a significant impact on us. They determine future actions. They help us navigate life. We the young people hope you experience many firsts in your lives and seconds, and thirds, and fourths. Live life to the fullest. Try new things. Collect memories and stories to share with the young people of the future. We hope you enjoyed this first episode of We the Young People. If you have a story you would like us to tell, please email it to submissions at gmail.com. Thank you.